0: Good morning, good afternoon. How are you doing today? Michael Zuber, one rental at a time, back with his Monday guest, Mr. Greg Dickerson. How are you? Doing great, Michael. Good to see you. Great, man. So uh, what what did we do first? We talked about king dollar dying. We talked about a new tax scheme. Then we talked about good old Jack Dorsey and hyperinflation. And now we're going to switch gears and we're going to go Kathy Wood and deflation. Kathy Wood is on record saying we don't have an inflation problem. We have a deflation problem. And she's actually on record of calling it kind of like early next year. So uh, when you hear deflation and you hear it early next year, what are you thinking? Do you think it's possible? Uh, what are your thoughts?
1: You know, I don't really, from a timeline perspective, I, you know, yeah, I think we could probably start to see some things in Q1 just because, you know, inflation is such an issue and such a problem right now that, you know, that can stymie demand and start creating some, you know, deflationary, stagflationary, you um, you know, environments as early as Q1 next year. I could see that.
0: Yeah. So this, again, is one of the rare spots where you and I disagree. I think there is zero chance of deflationary pressures that soon. Uh, Economic forces, consumers, wages, none of them could turn that quickly, uh, in my opinion, again. Well,
1: so let's define it. So, you know, by Investopedia, deflation is, is a general decline in prices for goods, services typically associated with, a contraction in the supply of money and credit in the economy during deflation, the purchasing power of currency rises over the time. So, you know, maybe what she's saying is that, you know, there's going to be a lack of available credit.
0: Maybe. So I think I just read her article this morning. She highlights three things. I remember two of them. One is creative destruction, which is just the business cycle. Um, Oh, I know them now. The first one was technology. Technology is going to come out and, you know, eat the world. Two was creative destruction. And then number three, this is the one where I lost, where she lost me. And this was on timing. She goes, the supply chain things will just suddenly snap back and we will go from not having shelves full to having our shelves packed, right? Too much inventory. People are double ordering all these things. And and yeah, this Q4 might be rough, but by Q1, you know, all stores will have all things and have all things extra. And I'm like,
1: that, I you know, that's so. hard to imagine based on what's going on right now, you know, getting things back on track that quick, you know, and again, I didn't really look at the definition until today, you know, mm-hmm. that it's a, you know, the nominal cost of capital, labor, goods and services to fall so cost of capital is down, obviously, right now, because there's, you know, it's, it's so abundant out there, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's hard to imagine the cost of goods and labor falling by Q1 next year. I don't can't. know if I agree with that.
0: You can't. I mean, it just, you know,
1: it, I could see some demand side, which would be more on the stagflation side, dipping yeah. a little bit just because things are so expensive. But yeah, I mean, it's, you know, things are so backlogged right now. It's hard to imagine everybody all of a sudden going back to work.
0: No, yeah. It's just, it, I mean, again, I think Kathy Wood is onto something. I think Kathy Wood, you got to watch the book, right? What did Jack, Jack's Dorsey, as we said in episode number two, is a Bitcoin maximalist where Bitcoin solves the world. Kathy Wood is a investor in early tech that tech is going to save the planet right and she buys stuff she buys companies that are making no money they have great growth but they're making no money so she needs deflation to have that be a winning winning game right so
1: yeah yeah uh, and there there is going to be automation that's going to oh, help fill the gap in some of these jobs but not by q1 <laughs> no 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 And I mean, yeah, you could put some robots in place and like I've seen the, you know, the French fry cooking robots and the burger flipping robots and things like that. But you can't have a robot clean a hotel room. You can't have robots, you know, do a lot of these, you know, service sector jobs, maybe potentially stocking shelves in grocery stores. I don't know. But, you know, that's been an argument for years that we've automated away a lot of the jobs, but that's not really what's going on.
0: No. So again, I think think deflation is... I think it, if I were to put deflation in the decade, I would think it's like 2025 or 26. Because again, as I'm, as I'm seeing the world, wage inflation, uh, it has years to go. But one of the outputs of higher wages for everyone is automation, right? Today, it's a cute little project to have the French fry cooker and the bag flipper. Wages go up to a certain point where you can't open a restaurant anymore because you can't sell enough burgers. They're going to be fully automated. I mean, they're going to, they, what they'll do is they'll shrink their menus to like
1: seven things and they'll just have robots deliver everything, but that's a well, 2025, is, 26. You know, what happens is you get to a point to where, you know, you can't get the help. Everything's more expensive, you know, labor, food, everything's going through the roof, taxes, regulatory environment to operate, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, eventually you get shut down, Yeah, you know, because you just, it's just not profitable and it doesn't make any sense. Of course.
0: Yeah. But again, that's not by that's that's let alone Q1. That's not next year, right? It's it's it, deflation is a concern of mine, and, and it will certainly be a concern of mine after two or three years of inflation, right? We have two or three more years of inflation at five, six, seven percent. Then deflation becomes a real issue because then you take up rates, it squeezes credit, and then you know we come down. But.
1: Yeah. It's, it's not a Yeah, well no, that's a big problem. one. Now if we have an economic accident, you know, or or you know, a market accident or something like that, I could see credit markets, you know, drying up a little bit, but mm-hmm. you know, the Fed will jump right back in and, you know, unfreeze it. So Yeah,
0: exactly. They know how to do that. They've done yeah. it a couple of times. <laughs> oh man, this is a lot of fun. So when we talk about these anything we didn't talk about, we talked about the dollar, inflation, hyperinflation, deflation, stagflation, taxes, anything else kind of catch your radar as you're you're thinking about what's going on in the last week?
1: You know, just the housing market, real estate in general, we haven't really talked about forecasts there and, you know, uh, interest rate environment, things like that. All right, let's hit that now. So I think Fannie Mae, I just talked about it this morning
0: on the daily financial news. Fannie Mae came out and said, congratulations, rates are going up and housing is going up next year. Now they didn't, they said interest rates are going to go from three to 3.3. And they said housing was going to go up 8%. That was their magic eight ball guess. Uh, How's that feel? Where, Where does that come down for you?
1: Yeah, you know, again, it's all hyper-local, but I think, um, you know, interest rates are huge. It's already created, um, you know, some some demand issues, um, you know, mortgage refinance applications are down, purchases yes. are down in a lot of areas. Some areas, you know, it's still the same, but in, in more areas now, it's already having an effect. And I'm telling you, four is the magic number. The closer we get to four, the more effect it's going to have. And values are only going to increase as long as there's, you know, buyers in the market. And as interest rates go up and people get frustrated, there's going to be less buyers in the market. Yeah. Um, you know, inventory levels are, are still a problem.
0: Yeah, one point two eight actually went down month on month. I'm like, damn, we can't yeah. we can't fix this. So it's it's interesting because I'm a huge affordability guy, right? I talk about it in my book. I look at it all the time. It's the one metric that I look for in my market every month. And affordability is actually made up of three things: obviously price, obviously rates, but the third one people don't talk about, and that's wages. And again, as we've talked about a couple of times, I think we're in a wage cycle, right? I think the wages in Fresno where I invest, I want to say the median family income is 58,000, family of four. I mean, if we have wage inflation, who's to say that Fresno's median is not 72,000 in 18 months? And if it's 72,000 from 58,000, you have an extra 14 grand, guess what? You can afford a heck of a lot more house. And that's what we saw in the 70s because incomes went up 86%, prices went up 106 and oh, by the way, rent went up 116% in a rising interest rate environment. So that's why I keep circling wages. And it's like, man, it just feels like even far, you know, farm workers are getting more and restaurants and all these people are getting more wages. And you know, Fresno's median income could go from 58 to 72 and it wouldn't shock me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. But like you said, you know, that's the one thing that almost never goes backwards. Yes, exactly. It's
0: very sticky. Yeah. I've never, yeah. Wages, wages. I did a 50 year research. I think they went back one year. It was a statistical anomaly. I want to say it was, I want to say it was 03. It was right right after the dot-com blow up. It it went down like 0.9%, but in 50 years, it was the only time the average family of four of wages went down. So.
1: yes, And it all washes, you know, prices have gone up equivalent, you know, to incomes going up you get you get the average
0: income you get the average income in the US to get you know double just make up numbers it goes from 50 grand to 100 grand people are going to buy more cars cars are going to get more expensive cuz people buy on credit and if your income goes up you can buy more stuff it's just yeah, exactly. consumers i mean that's
1: what we've seen and that's like what i was talking about you know even if you have a um, you know rare asset scarce asset that you're investing in like a bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies you know, just because those go up in value doesn't mean you have more buying power (laughs) necessarily. If that's your, you know, if the entire economy is based on that, it it means that prices are going to go up because you have more money (laughs) because you're going to spend more money. Yeah. So yeah, when I look at the real estate
0: market, I think, uh, you know, again, I think Fannie Mae's right. I think rates go up. I think we've seen the bottom. I don't think they go up much. Uh, 4% would be an interesting number because that is a 33% rise off the bottom. Uh, and that was that's statistically relevant because that's where it hurt housing in the 70s it went from it went from 8 to 11 which is raw 320 basis but it was 33 so i think you're right but i think i think incomes i think incomes are going to outpace i think the combination of slightly higher rates slightly higher prices are offset by a lot higher wages
1: yeah but there are you know wages aren't up that much they haven't doubled Uh, no no some of the Some of the hourly positions have, but not real incomes where people are buying houses and things like that. I mean, if you're making, you know, 10 to 15, you've gone, you know, to 20 to 25, Mm -hmm. that's generally not somebody who's still going to go out and buy a house, you know. No, but as a a
0: landlord, you like that because now you're $15 an hour person who rents can afford more because that's what higher, higher wages helps landlords. It just does. It makes our assets worth more. It gives us the ability to raise rents. And the quality of tenants, they have, they right? We go from an env- like that's $15 to 25.
1: One of my barriers is you got to make three times rent. If your income doubles, a lot more people make three times rent, right? And see, that's that that's that wealth gap, you know? And that's another reason driving demand in the housing market exactly. is it's cheaper to buy than it is to rent, you know, for the most part, from a payment standpoint, even when you add taxes, you know, Absolutely. insurance, maintenance, those types of things, I mean, when you were, when you were in the sub 3%, you know, two point, what was the lowest we saw? 2.5? Uh, for owner rock,
0: I think it was 2.6 something. Yeah. Like I mean, that one.
1: level, uh, that's way cheaper than to rent, you know, but a lot of people that rent can't afford to buy or aren't it's in the down, payment, to buy, so. the down payment,
0: down payment constrained.
1: Yep. Well, it's down payment. It's just qualifying period. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Credit all that. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: It's crazy stuff. This is so exciting. I love, I love looking at this stuff every day. Uh, how can people
1: find you and get part of your world. Yeah, gregdickerson.com. All my information's there. YouTube channel podcast, gregdickerson.com.
0: Thank you very much. This has been a great day. We talked about taxes, inflation, deflation, real estate, all this Bitcoin maximalist. We worked it all in there, buddy. Thank you very much.